Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. The Dodgers had their backs against the wall. Astros quiet the haters. Plus, will Kyrie Irving play at all for the Nets this season? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Thanks for making Locked On Today your first listen of the day. The Giants and Dodgers series hasn't disappointed as the series we waited all season to see. The Giants held a 2-1 game lead heading into Game 4, looking to close out the Dodgers. Here to break it all down, Locked On anchor Daniela Bruce with Locked On MLB insider Gordon Beckham. What's going on, everybody? Daniela Bruce here with another Locked On Now Insider Report. Joining me right now is our MLB insider, Gordon Beckham. Gordon, the Dodgers force a Game 5. The series has been awesome. These two teams are powerhouses, so it's been really exciting to watch. The Dodgers had their backs against the wall in that Game 4. What was different in their approach tonight to keep this thing alive? I thought they were just really aggressive. They came out really hacking uh, against the the Giants pitching, and I, I thought that they just kind of set the tone early that they were they were going to go down swinging. And uh, you saw what happened. Obviously, uh, Mookie Betts with a big game um, did what he needed to do. Showed up in the playoffs. Don't get don't let that guy get hot. Um, but I mean, this has been a great series. I mean, one nothing uh, last night. The Giants take it, you know, on a, on a solo homer from Longoria. Uh, who would have thought? And then the next day, you know, Dodgers offense, which didn't show up at all, is now right back where they want to be. So this is anybody's – who knows what's going to happen. Anybody's matchup, I think you got to go with uh, the home team, you know. I mean, going back to San Francisco, these guys have played well there all year. So we'll definitely see what happens. But it's, it sets up perfectly for an awesome, awesome ending. Mookie Betts was great in tonight's game four in that leadoff position for the Dodgers. Just how important is that position to get an offense going like we saw the Dodgers do tonight? Mookie's a guy that like basically if he goes, the team goes. And so when Mm -hmm. you see him doing really good things, obviously the team's going to get a little bit of energy from that. And they're able to, to, to use that into their own game because when he's going, the team goes. And it's similar with uh, Tim Anderson with the White Sox. So I've watched him most most all year uh, doing some commenting for them. And Mookie's the same guy. So if you've got the leadoff guy uh, going, especially early in the game, it just sets the tone for the rest of the game. And and that energy really carries over. So the Giants were obviously up in the series heading into this game. They fall to a 5-1 to deficit in this game. Is it hard for them not to look past to the next game and just think, you know what, it, it wasn't our night. We've got to move on to game five. No, I think that they wanted to win, obviously, in, until the last few outs. They kind of know they see the writing on the wall a little bit. But, um, no, I think that you just say, hey, we, we got in this position. If we if, Before the series, if we had one game to win it all, I think we'd take that. I think that yeah. – so they're, they're in a good spot. I, I don't think that any of those guys are panicking. There's a lot of veteran guys that can talk to the younger guys and make sure that they're um, handling the things that they need to handle the right way. I mean, they're they're – they're a really good team, and I don't think they're going to be scared of the moment at all. I think that, you know, Buster Posey's had a great series. He's the leader on that team, and, and I expect him to keep doing that uh, when they get back to San Francisco. I know at one point you and I talked about how electric Fenway had been during the postseason, and it was rocking in L.A. tonight, too, and I'm sure San Francisco is going to bring the heat for Game 5. Do you see that home field advantage being a factor in this last game? 
Yeah, I do. I, I feel like generally the home teams just have a little bit more energy and play a little better, especially if they get off to a decent start. Um, so in this series, I've kind of seen that, even though they've split. Um, you know, the I felt like the Giants kind of got away with one uh, last night, winning one nothing. I mean, the Dodgers offense for the, not to show up, it was just kind of kind of crazy. But anyways, uh, they're going back to San Francisco. I think that I generally think that home teams have a little bit of feel and who knows? I mean, this, this, this is such a coin flip. I mean, they've been doing it all year, one game difference in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so these, these, they know each other. Well, there's going to be no surprises. It's just going to be who can show up and execute and do the fundamentals better. I think that's going to win the game. For more locked on now reaction, subscribe to the locked on major league baseball, YouTube page coming up the Astros quiet, the haters. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Atlanta Braves are headed back to the National League Championship Series for the second straight season, and they go there in dramatic fashion. The Braves' Freddie Freeman hammered a two-out first-pitch homer to center field in the bottom of the eighth off all-star Josh Hader, the Milwaukee Brewers' closer, lifting the Braves to a 5-4 come-from-behind win on Tuesday to close out the National League Division Series in four games. Week six kicks off tomorrow with the Bucks and Eagles. What's the key for Tampa Bay to get to five and one? James Yarko here from the Locked On Bucks podcast with the biggest question surrounding the Buccaneers heading into week six, the Thursday night game against the Philadelphia Eagles. And that question is, can this team keep poking the bear with these injuries and still come away victorious? The Buccaneers have lost at least one starting player in every game this year, most of them on the defensive side of the ball. There's some optimism that Rob Gronkowski could play this week, but it's probably a better idea for Gronk to go ahead and sit out one more week as the offense seemed to start clicking against the Miami Dolphins with the trio of receivers, as well as OJ Howard finally getting involved. Losing Levante David on the defensive side of the ball to go along with Sean Murphy Bunting and Carlton Davis. Antoine Winfield Jr. is trying to clear concussion protocol. There has been so many injuries on that side of the ball. So can the Buccaneers keep winning while they get healthy? We're going to find out Thursday against the Philadelphia Eagles. The NFL Players Association said Tuesday that it plans to request that the NFL release the remainder of the 650,000 some odd emails reviewed as part of the investigation into workplace misconduct with the Washington football team. Leaked emails from the investigation that showed John Gruden used racist, misogynistic, and anti-gay language led to the Las Vegas Raiders coach's resignation Monday night. An NFL spokesperson told USA Today that it had no plans to release those emails for confidentiality reasons. That's what happened last night. Here's what to look for on betonline.ag, your number one spot for all your college and pro football action this season. Are you ready for week six betting lines? The Arizona Cardinals stayed undefeated after a sloppy week five win against the San Francisco 49ers, but they are two and a half point underdogs in Cleveland this week. The New York Giants lost Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, and Kenny Galladay to injuries in a blowout loss to the Dallas Cowboys with five of their seven starting offensive players from week one injured, it's no surprise that the betonline.ag line opens 
at 10 and a half point underdogs to the LA Rams. And everyone wanted to write off Big Ben and the Steelers after a few bad weeks. Now they try to get on a roll. This week they face the Seattle Seahawks and the betonline.ag line for this game is Pittsburgh giving four and a half to Geno Smith and the Seahawks. For all your gambling needs, betonline.ag has you covered. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use your promo code Locked On to get that bonus. Here is another story you need to know. The Houston Astros have a message for all of the haters. How about a 10-1 beatdown to beat the Chicago White Sox and go to the American League Championship Series? Joining me now from Locked On Astros, Eric Heisman. And Eric, this is something that has come up again when they were accused of stealing signals in this series. This is a narrative that is not going away, but it does seem to be fueling them a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of like what Martin Maldonado said. Um, thank you for the motivation. Uh, it's not like the Astros needed extra motivation, but we saw what Jose Altuve did. Uh, he, you, Altuve thrives on the booing. He thrives on the the uh, the just. this team just seems to rally around all the controversy and you keep on booing and it just makes the Astros just play better because they know that the 2017, yes, they did cheat. Uh, Yes. Jose Altuve did not cheat. He did not do the buzzer thing, but the team just seems to rally around all the controversy. But uh, Carlos Correa, after the game, said that what uh, Tapera said was uh, it had no facts. It was just uh, nonsense. And, of course, the Astros did not address it before the game. They said, we're just going to go ahead and play baseball. And then they went out and, and they played dominant baseball. They now have a date in the ALCS with the Boston Red Sox. Handicap this matchup for me. Well, I think that the Red Sox were the better matchup for the Astros, honestly, than the Rays. I think the Rays actually play better against the Astros. So I think the overall, I think while the Red Sox are hotter than the Rays would have been, I think because uh, definitely they've gone through the Yankees, they've gone through the Rays. So th- they're definitely going to be a tough matchup. But I think that we've seen that uh, during the regular season, the Astros were 5-2 and two against the Red Sox, and they've beat some of their better pitchers. The only uh, pitcher they have not faced is Chris Sale. So that's something to take in consideration. But the lineup the Astros pitchers have held in check, the only thing to worry about is what's going on with Lance McCullers because he left the game today after four innings with a right uh, forearm tightness. And it's something that is, he said is a little bit frustrating because he wanted to go at least six or seven innings, but he left after four innings. So they're, they're not too worried about it, but same point, they're not sure if he's going to pitch an ALCS at all. So if he can't go, uh, what does that do for, for this Houston Astros team? They, we know they have plenty of offense, but you need to win in October with your pitching too. Yeah, well, Framer Valdez would definitely go in game one. Then you have Jose Arquiti, who is not even pitched at all. So he would probably be jumping into the rotation. Then you have Luis Garcia. You have enough people to actually fill in that that rotation. Zach Greinke could also step in. And so you have you have enough arms where you can fill in for Lance McCullers. But Lance McCullers is your ace. So it's kind of hard to replace him so hopefully he's not gone the entire ALCS but the Astros only have till Friday to make that decision because they have to either keep him on and just play with a pitcher short or 
or just um, take the risk of, um, or just not even have him on the roster and maybe have Jake Odorizzi on the roster instead and have him start a game because he could be another guy who could start. Coming up, will Kyrie Irving play at all for the Brooklyn Nets this season? Our Q of the Day is next. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Right now, our limited time flavor, cookie dough chunk. Unbelievable. All of these are so, so good. And the, the flavors run the gamut. You like chocolate chocolate? They've got a double chocolate. You like extreme decadence, peanut butter brownie, salted caramel. You like fruit with your chocolate. Generally speaking, I don't, but guess what? I love these flavors. The cherry, really good. Cherry barcia, so good. Raspberry, really, really good. And they're all covered in 100% chocolate. That, that I think helps. Anything covered in chocolate, I'm pretty much in on. But it's not just the chocolate, right? Because it's low in net carbs, low in sugar, high in fiber, high in protein. So it tastes delicious and is actually fuel for your body. Right now, go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKS15 to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at built.com. Agree or disagree? This is the Q of the Day. The Brooklyn Nets have given star Kyrie Irving an ultimatum, either be all in or all out, with the New York law and the NBA deciding that players in home markets that had vaccine mandates could not attend home games. Kyrie Irving has demurred on these questions of his vaccination status, but this decision tells us everything we need to know about where he stands on this issue. A Sham Sarania report saying that he wants to be a voice for the voiceless, whatever that means. Joining me now from Locked on Nets, Adam Armbrecht. And and Adam, we are now barreling toward the start of the season, uh, and we still don't know if the Nets will have Kyrie Irving at all this year. Yeah, pleasure as always, Peter. And this is uh, my favorite topic to come on the show for. Um, You know, listen, as long as this has been a topic of conversation and as many different uh, chapters to this story there's been, it still all comes back to relatively the same narrative. We don't actually know what's going on. The the positive from, I think, a Brooklyn Nets, at least fan base standpoint is no matter what your opinion is of Kyrie as a player, everyone agrees he's one of the best in the league. I think it's a certain point the Nets had to make this type of decision because the variables involved in having a part-time player, let alone maybe the optics of it and the internal opinions of the organization, it's just a hard thing to navigate over the course of an 82-game season. I'm also wondering, you know, there was the report before the decision was made that in making a decision, uh, the Nets would consult Kevin Durant, James Harden, um, and in the case, at least of Kevin Durant, guys who were close with Kyrie Irving, how much how much does this create more drama in the locker room? And how much do you think this signals about where Kyrie Irving stands? Is this a situation where, okay, KD knows that like this is this is going to be Kyrie's deal and and they probably won't like he is willing to just sit if this is where the team wants to go? Yeah, I, I mean, listen, the the few comments we've gotten from the likes of Harden or from Kevin Durant have been, that's Kyrie's deal. We support him on a personal level. He's going to do what's best for him. You mentioned the organization obviously is going to pass this through the filter, and all indications are that Kevin Durant signed off on this. So, you know, I, I think to that extent, Kevin Durant 
still is a NBA player who understands it's a business and decisions have to get made and they can't solely be structured around the idea of I'm a real fan of this guy off the court. So we need to bend the rules or, or run a different type of system here than anywhere else. The, the problem probably is, is that I don't know, even if, if you asked Kevin Durant in the most honest of moments, does he really know where Kyrie Irving stands on any given issue, right? Sure. And I think that that's the biggest problem is having a sense of where is Kyrie's commitments truly lie. And if the mandates change in the city and suddenly he was available to come back, well, is it this this new narrative that we're hearing, a voice for the voiceless to TBD, what that specifically is referring to? Because that would mean that maybe Kyrie still wouldn't return of his own accord. So it it's kind of hard to tell who's driving the bus here. Safe to say there's a lot of hands on the wheel. And finally, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have removed former head coach John Gruden from the Ring of Honor, the team announced Tuesday, which is a space reserved for the franchise's most respected and accomplished players. The Buccaneers released an official statement once the move was announced, saying the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have advocated for purposeful change in the areas of race relations, gender equality, diversity, and inclusion for many years. While we acknowledge contributions from John Gruden on the field, his actions go against our core values as an organization. Therefore, he will no longer continue to be a member of the Buccaneers' ring of honor. This would, of course, be more honorable if the Bucs hadn't just signed Antonio Brown after he was cut by the Patriots amid sexual assault allegations and subsequently suspended by the league. Where exactly does that fit into their core values as an organization? These are just questions that I have. Thanks for making Locked On Today your first listen of the day. Now that you've got the news, go make some money. Make your second listen Locked On Bets. Download and subscribe free and available on all platforms. Coming up Thursday... Who wins to take on Atlanta in the NLCS? So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.